everybody. As always, make sure you subscribe so you get notifications when new episodes are available. Remember that we are currently recapping Loki and we'll also be providing reviews on the new episodes of Rick and Morty in those same episodes. We had a delay this week on a very large music episode we're going to have, but it will be published next week. So make sure to keep your eye out for those music episodes. And of course, if you're currently catching up on Mayor of Easttown, the previous Mayor of Easttown recap and reaction shows episodes are still in our feed. So feel free to track those down. Reach out to us at needsomeintroduction at gmail.com. Enjoy the conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. Today, we'll be talking about the second episode of the second season of Evil, which is called A for... Originally, yet last week, when I had looked it up on Internet Movie Database, it said A for Avenging Angel, but apparently they changed the title just to A for Angel. So, Sona. Hi. <laughs> what did you think about this? Uh, I have a lot of opinions about this, but tell me what you had generally. Let's okay, see. well, I literally just finished watching this episode about 30 minutes take. ago. Hot take. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's still marinating in my mind a bit, but um, I did enjoy it. I liked watching it. I liked... Uh, the development of the relationship between Leland and the mom, uh, Christine Lottie, I, I thought it was a really interesting spin that this lady is not to be messed with. She knows some stuff and yeah. she has some control now. She's got some power and Leland is very thrown off by that. Uh, and I like it. I'm not sure, uh, really jumping head, I'm not sure if she's responsible for the blood in the office. I'll just leave it there until we talk about it more. Yeah. But uh but I, I like that she knows that what she's got is is something good and, and it gives her some control. So that's what I found most interesting, I guess, about the episode. How about you? I like this. I liked it a lot. And it, we were talking about tone last week. <clears throat> it made me look up the director. But the director is John Dahl, who is uh, mm -hmm. made some he used to make theatrical movies. Now he's a big TV director. He directed a bunch of episodes of like Homeland and Breaking Bad and Dexter, mm -hmm. many episodes of Dexter, by the way. Oh, okay. So um, that's what he does now. He's doing a lot of TV, but he used to be a movie director. And I, I actually have a recommend recommendation of his for later, but it made me look at, I'm like, oh, who directed this? Because this definitely feels like a cut above where we were at uh, last week. And also tone wise, I think the show got much darker, right? Yes. And even, um, you know, often my husband does not watch these with me because he considers this my work and I should be left alone. <laughs> but, um, but he did sit in on part of this and he said, this is really creepy. I'm happy we're not watching this right before we go to sleep. I think we'd have nightmares. Critics have gotten the first four episodes mm -hmm. and the reviews have been very positive uh, yeah, on Metacritic, like on one of these aggregator websites. I was just looking at the, the, the snippets of the reviews, which were very strong. And like some of them openly multiple times go like, this is really grim stuff. And when I saw last week's episode, I was like, what are they talking about? This is yeah. jokey, right? So I'm thinking maybe, possibly, that the show is kind of easing us in, but maybe we're going in a very dark direction. And that definitely made me think of that with, with some of the imagery we see in this episode and just the tone in general. Yes. And an uh, interesting shift with Kristen's character too, yes. right? Mm -hmm. That yep. um, they seem to be really taking it in that direction, that there is something deeper and darker going on with her now. Let's let's start breaking down the episodes. So sure. to start with, the case we have. So there's two things that are happening in parallel here, right? One is that we have what's happening with Leland, which he's still trying to get this exorcism, and it's been delayed. Yes. And we'll talk about that in some detail. 
But um, more importantly, the case of the week, as you know, like this is like a procedural or like a X-Files type template, the case of the week this week, we have somebody who is potentially possessed by an angel. He believes that he's right. being possessed by an angel, specifically the angel, uh, Archangel Michael, which is actually, you know, probably anybody who remembers Catholic school, it's probably the most famous, um, oh, maybe Gabriel's more famous, but yeah, Michael is like the, uh, he's like the warrior angel, right? So he I is- I like that you're uh, ranking the popularity of the archangels. <laughs> <laughs> there is, I'm sure there is a website somewhere. Well, there There's was a- that John Travolta movie about Gabriel, so. <laughs> Wait, was it Gabriel or was it Michael? Oh, Michael. Do you know the movie I'm talking about? It was called Michael. Okay, so he, he must be the most popular. <laughs> As a non-Catholic, this is how I'm going to deduce the popularity. <laughs> well, you know, Dan, we went to high school with him and he had a, a, a tattoo of, of, of Michael on his back. Oh, is that right? I didn't yeah. realize that. that. That was, yeah. So anyway, by not even jokingly, I'm pretty sure angels have fandom and uh, Michael is definitely near the Up very there. top of the list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, he, he gets by with one name. He's like Sade or Madonna. Or <laughs> First of all, this representation of angels, even when we see a person who they're investigating, when you see his artwork, the artwork is pretty yes. disturbing, right? Very and then dark. we actually see, like I it thought that this would be, <laughs> you know, they wouldn't be so uh, overt about it, but it's very creepy. We see um, the angel, right? And uh, Or David sees a vision of an, of an angel. Right, and quite close to a demon, right? It's yes, very demonic. The representation is quite close to a demon. By the way, when I went to Catholic school, I found angels scary, not because- yeah, I mean, the way they described, you know, especially in the apocalyptic parts of the, the Bible, they are creepy. You know, they come and they, you know, they, they initiate the, the apocalypse with, by blowing their horns and all this other stuff. So that is creepy enough. But just this idea that there's these, you know, uh, you know and the, the pictures of them, like the paintings, these Renaissance pain, paintings are like so beautific. I always thought they were very creepy that they had all these powers and they could be anywhere and they could see everything. <laughs> so I never, I, they always creep me out. So this is just kind of, this show confirms all my worst. Capitalizing on your skepticism. <laughs> exactly. All my worst <laughs> impressions of angels. I always knew they were, they were shady. <laughs> yeah. So David has that vision. He passes out in his room and then Andrea Martin, who's, I, I know her character's name is. So I actually turned on the subtitles. And they have her when she speaks, they have her as Andrea. So I'm like, okay, they just use her name. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even bother giving her a fictitious name. But Andrea yeah. Martin from Saturday Night Live. So she is here as this nun who apparently knows a lot of what's going on. So we, we'll, we'll know more about her. Right? Well, I liked that nun a lot. She was a great character. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. Yeah. So David runs with a phone. I made a note of this because I'm like, okay, he's already learned in one episode. Don't leave the house without your phone. So that's good. Well, so wait. So before we get to David running, yeah. this is like, it, to them, I guess, their clue that something is really amiss with Christian, which I felt like they were taking it a bit too seriously, but she questions, right, about being possessed by an angel, like, would that be all that bad? Right. And she says, angels are diabolical, you know, they've done all these terrible things, and she rattles off a list of things, you know. That, that's actually an interesting point, right? If she is starting to get turning to the dark side, right, that, that could be her perspective, right? Because it is all, like you said, maybe they take her a little too seriously on her commentary, but I think the show maybe is indicating something legitimately there, right? This conversation where she's taking a very dark view of the utility uh, and the the good intentions of angels. Right. But yes, luckily he has learned to bring his phone with him when he's running. Exactly. <laughs> Although, you know, if he's you're really working out, you're not right. supposed to be able to carry on a conversation if you're That's in true. the target heart range. So <laughs> he might as well have just stopped running altogether. <laughs> yeah, especially if he's trying to like, supposedly he's trying to commune with God by, you know, creating pain right yeah and uh and i'm like well like you were saying if he can have a conversation on the phone while he's jogging <laughs> he may not be in that much pain so yeah you're not in that target range anyway 
for exactly, cardiovascular definitely not. health. <laughs> but every bit counts, right? Even walking, right? So even walking. For sure. Get your steps in. Get your steps in, everybody. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but the next big thing that happens is they have to delay the exorcism, right? Uh-huh. And Leland's not happy about this. He's actually at his um, wedding planner and he has a fantasy of killing the, the wedding planner, right? Yeah, that was grim. But seriously, though, why did she present the buttercream if it was not a viable option? I for completely the agree. You know, the wedding. That's just a waste of everybody's time. Exactly. I, I 100% agree. So she deserved yeah. everything she got. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Ride through the ear or whatever was going on there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so then he gets upset, you know, because of delaying the exorcism. And uh, we also see that David's getting very close to becoming a priest, right? He's in the last stages of his training. Due to the delay, Leland gets upset and ends up breaking up with Cheryl. Right. Cheryl, thank you. Cheryl. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an interesting explanation he gives her, right? Of like, I only did this to hurt uh, Christian and Christian's hurt. So I'm all set here. Which I don't buy completely, right? I think he was upset, you know, things aren't going his way. And mm-hmm. he, um, you know, I, I, I'm, and I don't know how legitimate his relationship is with Cheryl anyway, but I think that, you know, he was, you know, he's not being hundred percent sincere that his, you know, his explanation makes sense that he's potentially just using Cheryl to get close to the mom. Maybe um, Kristen's already turning to the dark side. It's like, well, my job is done, right? So he can move on. Yeah, possibly. It's hard to know exactly. I mean, it, I was kind of surprised by that turn of events, to be honest. So so uh, the next thing to happen is, uh, you know, the angel, theoretically, but angel possessed guy is able to pick up a, a, a car and, and rescue everybody uh-huh. inside, but he's a little slow in rescuing one of the people in the car. Uh-huh. And then there's a question about that. And then uh, also Kristen uh, starts getting a little nervous that, you know, like we mentioned last week that like, oh, no one's going to investigate this crime. And uh, apparently um, she is getting a little nervous because now they're starting to want to ask her some questions, right? Right. And they introduced this new character that I guess is a colleague of Mira's uh, that is working on this guy lifting the burning car situation. And uh, she's talking with Kristen about Orson's death and how the wife has an alibi that seems pretty, uh, pretty sound. And, you know, as Kristen set up and made sure it was in place. Um, So yeah, more than one person looking at that situation and asking questions now uh kind of a very different tone shift from last week we actually see a moment where we actually see her approaching orson like orson's already on the ground crawling away and i yes. guess like we cut away just before the death blow right, right. and uh but like that's once again so I, I can't imagine that sequence being in last week's episode considering how light in tone it was so just mm-hmm. really driving that point home but this also seems to be that she is having conflicted feelings about it and as a matter of fact i have a you know, theological or philosophical question uh, that I think the show is kind of framed around about whether, you know, it's ever right to murder. You know, she mentions mm-hmm. war and other things like that. So that's something we could talk about in a moment. But in this specific scene, I did have a funny comment that she obviously is worried about being investigated. She has that flashback. So maybe there's some level of remorse or guilt that she's feeling. And then uh, Asif uh, Manvi uh, says to her that, um, you know, that is she in trouble? <laughs> and yeah. her response is, Trouble is my middle name, which is a very corny response. But yes, I, and we both laughed out loud here. And, and my husband said, you know, if someone ever actually said that to you in real life, you'd be like, there's something off with this person. That is not a normal response. Um, you know, maybe it's a joke, but that's it. But that wasn't even the part that made me laugh the most, by the way, was after she walks away 
as if Manvi doesn't turn all the way to the camera, but he turns almost all the way back to the camera. And his expression, like I had daily show flashbacks at that moment. (laughs) (laughs) He was very funny throughout this episode, I felt. Uh, Even when they go and talk to the, the guy who thinks he's possessed by the angel, they're trying to be subtle and he just blurts out, what, why'd you leave the fourth guy behind? <laughs> exactly. And they look uh, at him like, uh, like timing, I feel. so then I think there's like philosophical gist of the uh, episode possibly is this kind of question that they, you know, they ask a few times here, this idea of whether murder is ever justified, whether war is ever justified. Can you be righteous? And I mean, it's a question for the ages, right? right, right. Uh, you know, as long as people have been around we've been talking about uh, the justification for taking another life and whether it's ever justified. And, you know, there's so many degrees. I don't think we'll ever be done discussing this, whether it's, you know, imminent danger of, you know, if I don't act now, I will be dead within the next 30 seconds, or I know this person will kill me one day. And so, right. Like kind of a, a battered woman syndrome thing, you know, that uh, it's, it's all leading there. So I'm just going to get ahead of it. Uh, you know, there's there's so many different permutations of the circumstances for that question that I, I don't know if we'll ever find an answer that is conclusive and can be applied across the board. And this is very complicated. I mean, they really aren't able to address it here. Um, and maybe they will address it later because, you know, she's dealing with her issues with having killed Orson. But, uh, you know, they raise a bunch of questions here that I think are, you know, troubling. At least they're able to raise them. But one is when you see David looking at the maybe that's COVID, the first signs of COVID. I, I yes, don't know I was wondering frame. that as well. It's so hard to know with television right. shows whether they are in a COVID world or not in a COVID world. So yeah, I wasn't sure. And I think that asks this moral question, right? Like when David's like saying, or you know, um, the, the angel's saying that 50% of everybody's going to die when the apocalypse comes. And then David says like, who decides, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and then that's, I think that's like, and then of course we have the the, the headline about a virus breaking out. And mm-hmm. I think that is probably, you know, the, the showrunners and the, the writers of the show probably are wrestling with that. Once again, if you're a person of faith, the idea that a virus could come and just arbitrarily kill people, right? Doesn't kill bad people, just arbitrarily kills people. And then I think that becomes like this, you know, it is a crisis of faith once again, right? That if you do have faith, that uh, how do things like this happen, right? So. You know, I think also what was interesting in the context of, of this show is he raises some of those questions. I can't remember if it was with the Peter Scolari character or the Dylan Baker character. I'm sorry, I got to get better with remembering everyone's names. <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, the actors are so distinctive that it's hard right. to forget who they are. But um, and they kind of get annoyed with him. Right. Uh, like, why are you asking these questions? You know, the story, <laughs> you know, stay on point, stay on message. These aren't the questions to be asking. <laughs> the church bureaucracy is like, these aren't the questions you're supposed to be asking. It's like, aren't we? <laughs> isn't that right. the purpose? Isn't, isn't that, that the purpose? point? Yeah. Right. And even like everything that, else, it becomes uh, the bureaucracy becomes about maintaining itself, right? Like it's kind of the failure right, of all bureaucracies. Um, even with that initial scene of the kind of mock confessional that they're doing uh, as part of his schooling, where they're, you know, the hypothetical confession is about a man who's beating his wife. And, you know, David is asking, well, you know, are we done at just contrition and penance? Or, you know, are there supposed to be some tools? You know, what? For, for making sure this situation doesn't occur again. What is our role here? You know, aren't we trying to improve the world for everybody rather than just deal with this one person's one specific situation? And again, a question for the ages, I think. Yeah, and they raise these questions. Again, they're circling around similar questions. This idea that 
this guy who supposedly doing the work of God as, you know, possessed by this angel allows the, you know, the uncle in the car to burn longer yes. because yes. Uh, he has committed a sin. So once again, yes. um, you know, uh, well, he didn't kill him, right? Uh, he survived, right? right? And he yeah. says, so, and it's efficient, right? Like if he's burned or scarred in a really significant way, he won't be able to uh, potentially, you know, if we believe his story, abuse this girl anymore, this teenager. And uh, if you believe that, then it's like, uh, who decides what the punishment is and what is punitive and what is not? And, and right. And, and, and that's the question, right. That, that becomes, yeah. I mean, it was possessed. like a literal example of putting the fear of God into someone, right. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, he said, I wanted him to feel the flames of hell, uh, you know, and, and really think about the consequences of the things that he's doing the way he looked at it. Look, he's still alive. He didn't let him die. <laughs> and maybe he reflects a little bit on his life and what it's worth and you know, what's right and what's wrong. And then alternately, but literally burn this guy, scar him for life for his sins, which are obviously bad. If, if you believe what happened was true, mm -hmm. but then you have Leland come in and say, Oh, I knew your girlfriend and uh, she had cancer. And yes. I told her it's better off. And once again, we don't know if this is true either, but he confesses yeah, that to it. That is my question for you is whether you think any of this is true. Well, I don't know. So he's manipulating everybody. So it, it could both go both ways. What he's saying is plausible because that's what he does. He's a pusher, right? He's never killed anybody. He just pushes other people to do mm -hmm. that, right? And um, so it, it, it is in his profile. But then again, he's also a trickster, right? So um, this all could be made up, right? So it, it all becomes a question of, it's, it's unknowable, right? And I guess that's the point, right? Because David has to find him somewhat credible for him to take him seriously. But the interesting point is, you know, you have God hellfire, you know, for this guy's sins, the, the guy in the car. And then alternately, you have this guy coming in for confession, maybe not even sincerely confessing and saying, I pushed your girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend, mm -hmm. killing yourself. And then uh, David goes, you have to say five Hail Marys and, uh, and our father. And he goes, that's it. And he's like, yeah, that's it. So it's yeah, clearly disappointed that he's not getting the reaction he wanted. But also not only that, we have these evil people get tortured for their sins in all eternity in hellfire, unless you confess, then mm -hmm. all right, you could have done anything you wanted to. You confessed, you, you get a- you get a Jar fresh. Yeah, you can, exactly. <laughs> and that's, once again, is something that David is struggling with there too. Uh, and of course he, uh, Leland, you know, in the, you know, not just thematically, but in the show itself, Leland is trying to have him have question his faith because he wants him to not complete his study. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So the, the doubts we have of being like, wow, that is kind of a really ugly loophole in, uh, in this religion. He wants not only the audience to question that, he wants David to question it as well, right? Yes. And he definitely is questioning it either on its own or with Leland's help. Uh, you know, that is happening. So. so let's go back into what's going on with Cheryl and yes. Leland. So a couple of interesting things, not only seeing her stand up for herself, and I want you to get into that, but also just in the logistics of the show where Leland's at with this investigation even though it seemed to be hinting at last week that he was playing them all and, you know, he knew he mm -hmm. was being monitored. Now in this mm -hmm. episode, maybe as a reversal, it does not seem like he knows he's being monitored. And he was worried, apparently, that they found that compartment in his apartment, where once again, we speculated last week that he, um, we were pretty certain that it was all a setup on, on their part, right? So it doesn't seem to be the case anymore. But yeah, what do you think about that? First of all, where he's at as far as what he understands of their investigation of him. And of course, what's going on with him and Cheryl. First, it's confusing, right? Because last week we saw he seemed to be fully aware that they were monitoring his computer and kind of 
poke playing cat and mouse with Ben, mirroring him and doing like a monkey see monkey do type of thing with him. But then in this episode, and you know, maybe it's a setup of some sort, I don't know, but he seems to be typing uh, blissfully unaware that anybody is right. monitoring him. I'm not sure what language that was. I guess I want to say Aramaic or something because it's, you know, Sanskrit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. So it seemed like that had kind of fallen by the wayside, the idea of somebody looking at his computer. But we see that Ben is still monitoring him and seeing what he's doing. Yes, he apparently had this clever red thread mechanism on his hiding place so that if anyone disturbed the hiding place, it would be clear because the thread would be disturbed. And lo and behold, he goes to his secret hidey hole and the thread is disturbed. So he's furious and he accuses Cheryl of telling uh, Kristen where that hiding place was. I don't remember that happening. Do you? He, she definitely did not communicate that to Kristen and they didn't seem to know right. about it because they like last week, they discovered really discovered it on their own. Correct? They discovered it during the investigation. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I remembered it too, yeah. but I wasn't sure if I missed something. So well, I think he's just accusing her because, right. you know, but I, yeah. I, and maybe using it as an excuse to, to, communicate with her again. Right. But um, yeah. So she definitely, um, I think at that point realizes that he is pretty freaked out because she does know a lot of stuff about him. It turns out. And I think that's interesting because it was never clear to me how open he was with her about things and whether he was kind of playing this role of being a perfectly normal boyfriend or, you know, there was more going on there. And a lot that happened this episode indicates that there was more going on there because um, she realizes how much she knows about him. And I love her reactions to him throughout where she's made it clear she is not to be messed with. Um, You know, she's reached her limit on this. And if he thinks that he can control her any longer, he's got another thing coming. Uh, so I loved her reaction to that, both in the the restaurant where they meet and when he goes to her apartment and tries to uh, buy her forgiveness with some kind of bottle of liquor of some sort. Um, and there's some creepy stuff that happens where he goes into his office and <clears throat> finds written in blood on the wall. Uh, I can't remember something about a pig. <laughs> um, like, like die, die you pig or something like that uh, yeah the f word i think was in there somewhere so um and he tastes the ink of the vandalism and concludes that it's blood i'm not sure entirely uh if i personally would be able to identify that by tasting it and i don't think i would <laughs> taste it but I also thought it was interesting. He concluded it was her blood, right. which I, uh, first of all, leads us to believe he's tasted her blood before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and second, I guess that on a, on a much more secondary level that people's blood tastes unique, which is just not really something <laughs> I ever thought about. I, I was never one to be into vampires or whatever. So I haven't really given that thought, whether everybody would have their own signature um, taste of never. blood. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, I like this. I like that the power dynamics shifting. I like that he's a little bit uncomfortable. I like that we don't know exactly what she knows or what she's seen and whether she's going to share it with Kristen. What do you think? I disliked her so much towards the end of last season. Um, I know only, you did. I, know you I did. really yeah. disliked her. I, you know, I, I, in, I, I think in an intentional way, I think they wanted us to. 
not but I, I think really, only because I find those four children so annoying. I did not dislike <laughs> her as much. They're like understandable. It's understandable. They were so grating <laughs> to me. <laughs> it wasn't only that, you know, she was like a selfish kind of mom that was a little trying to too hard to be uh, hip. That was problematic in general. But uh, I also just felt like you were saying, I, I didn't feel her, you know, standing up for herself at any point. So she became a very frustrating character to me on multiple multiple ways so in this episode i liked seeing her stepping up and showing a different side of herself i still can't really reconcile all this with what happened last season where she's willing to give up her relationship with her daughter and her grandkids give up uh, herself right to, to be with this guy uh, and I, she was very desperate like at the beginning it's by i i buy into it she's she's lonely she you know i, I could buy all that he kind of said all the right things uh she was intrigued but then like at some point when things just got so out of control my point is I couldn't reconcile who I saw in this episode with last season. So maybe they'll patch, maybe they'll bridge that gap possibly, but I like seeing it. I like seeing it. I, I still don't buy it fully. That's just, you know. And she has that line to him. You're not the first demon I yeah. dated or something that, like that. Right. Yes, so yes. Yep. that was quite a line and it makes you very curious about her past. <laughs> right. And I, I actually wrote that down. Cause I'm like, you know, considering that she obviously knows what he's about. She even says, uh, I know you have dirt on me, but I have way more dirt on you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they've done stuff. They've done shady stuff. Right. Her, right? Mm-hmm. And he, I'm sure he did it to entrap her. But, you know, she, you know, once again, she seems to have a certain resiliency now. So maybe she protected herself even when she was participating in some of these things. But then, like you said, I actually wrote the same quote down because I'm like, is she literal about that? Like, <laughs> that's she the question. Actually, you know, mm-hmm. she, maybe she knows more than she's letting on. Could be. Yeah, so I'm very curious about that. Um, right now, like I said, I like seeing it get smacked in the face. I like seeing him put, get put in his place, but I still am not 100% bought in on Cheryl's reforms. Yeah, that, I get that. And I don't. I have no argument with that. So then back in the plot, two developments. One is that we find out that he, as a construction worker, he uses, um, uh, that this is now going back to the mm-hmm, case of the mm-hmm, week, uh, mm-hmm. the, the guy who's seeing angels, that mm-hmm. he is, uh, he uses... Mm-hmm. and uh, which uh, does in large amount, it can actually create visual hallucinations and things like that in large quantity. So he was saying, uh, uh, Ben, uh, Asif Manvi's character is saying that, well, you know, if he forgets to take those off and he has them on all day long and maybe he's o- overdosing without realizing it so he could see visual hallucinations. So there's your X-Files type, you know, possible solution, except for he did pick up a car. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> Which once again, they talk about like, you know, the whole Incredible Hulk, right? That, you know, you can under, going back to the, that show from the 1980s, that, you know, like Bruce Banner couldn't rescue his wife. I always wanted to know how come these little ladies can pick up their cars when their kids are in danger. That's I right. Could, exactly. My adrenaline didn't kick in. Why? why? So, <laughs> hey, maybe he was able to do it. It was just an adrenaline kick. But what we do see here, once again, another interesting philosophical question very curious to see what you think of this next conundrum too but first of all we see the wife come back again his wife yes who's reaching a limit because he's trying to give away all of their material possessions and not only that so he's already given away all the material possessions and then on top of it they have a huge house by the way right yes get me back to the queen's real estate question i mean they (laughs) seem to have a house in the country i don't really understand what's going on there but yeah so maybe they could just downsize the house let's sell okay because that's got to be right just move into co-op into co-op like everybody else in queens with the the market that the way it is now that has got to be multi-million dollar houses Mm mm-hmm it was beautiful. <laughs> it was. It really was. Yeah. So, um, uh, great light also. Yes. Yeah. Of course. 
Um, so they, he's already given away everything in the house. Uh, but she, this is the interesting, that maybe the thematic thing I thought was interesting was that, and once again, it asks questions about the way we practice certain religions. But she says, you know, not only does he want to go through with this, and I want to obviously be with him because I want my child to have a father and whatever else. But, you know, it's basically saying, like, I want you to live by bi biblical law, which, of course, mm -hmm. you know, traditionally means that she subjugated to her mm -hmm. husband, right? So, you know, very unfair, right? Once again, like to be to live righteously means that mm -hmm. you could potentially be uh, oppressing somebody else. And that's kind of, mm -hmm. once again, a question that the, the show is asking. But then more importantly, what I was trying to get your reaction to is, what do you think about the pillar of salt? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's pretty explicit, <laughs> right? How do you explain that one? Yeah, I mean, of course, as a logical person, my first thought is, well, are they going to take that substance to a lab and get it tested and figure out what all it is? Because, I mean, it just doesn't seem possible, right, in a rational world that he has turned her into a pillar of salt following this fable right that they reference at the beginning of lot and it's lot's wife i guess I, yes. like i said I, I think i really suffer as a non-christian trying to keep up with some of the references here but you, i'm pretty sure you know more <laughs> you're, you're correct more than most christians are so uh but lot's like wife like looks back instead of following yes. the path of god and is turned into a pillar of salt and exactly. that is the same thing he says has happened here um i mean I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss for. I mean, you can't explain it away. You know, he works at a construction site. It could just be a, a bag just a of pile salt. Of lime or, yeah. Salt, right? <laughs> they could test it and it'll come back as salt. And maybe he killed his wife and buried her somewhere, right? You know, hallucinated. But Kristen salt. was going to give her the information for a shelter. Correct. So yeah. there is the possibility that she, in the in the dark of night, she picked up and left and. This is something he has created to rationalize the fact that she's disappeared. That's possible, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's true, too, that she may have. Yeah, exactly. She may turn up. Uh, well, I don't think they're going to come back to the storyline, but who knows? Maybe they will. And but uh, I but think women often when they when they're fearful, I don't know how fearful she was as much as just thinking this is an impossible situation. But when they're fearful, they sometimes just try and become as anonymous as possible so that no one can find them. Uh, so they don't have to live in fear of being found, you know? So uh, kind of a whole sleeping with the enemy situation <laughs> to reference another very old movie. <laughs> oh, you know, I just came up with another theory. You made me think of this from a different perspective, which could be legitimate, by the way, is that maybe she was afraid that he wouldn't let her go. And imagine that she went maybe. and put a giant pile of salt in her room or in his room, that the room where he communes with this angel and she's gone. Right? Wow, wouldn't that be smart of her? Yes, exactly. She's covering her own tracks, right? Interesting. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> Ashley has moved to the Caribbean and she she's living a, a great life drinking frozen drinks somewhere. Very possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, oh yeah, so a couple of things I have there at the end. So you, we already touched on it earlier because we kind of tied it in with another conversation we we're having. But uh, David goes and takes um, Leland's confession. Uh, Leland and the question I had, exact same question you had, is Leland just trolling him or is that uh, legitimately true, what he confesses to? And then, of course, this actually motivates um, nun Andrea Martin <laughs> to, mm -hmm. um, to basically tell David, I'm going to work with you on this. So that was, that was, I like that last scene to be like, oh, good. He's got, he's got backup. That's good. Yes, I like that character. I like that she seems like a very calm presence. I like that she was on to Leland immediately, just at the first sight of him. Uh, you know, she's, she she's them, right? clearly 
she's she's seen some stuff and she knows some stuff and <laughs> and I, I like that she's getting involved in this yeah so i'm very curious to know what's going to happen with that character i totally agree i really liked seeing her there oh and to your point of being a calming fo- force uh, i didn't even mention this but earlier on when he's running and she runs into him originally oh i guess she runs into him because she's cleaning up his room mm-hmm. and um and uh uh and she, he's like collapsed on the floor. He's after passed he, out in a very inconvenient spot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it, this is all because of the vision he had of the angel, right? So, uh, but it, she says, why, what, you know, he was like, oh, he must have passed out. She goes, why? And he was like running, whatever. And she said, pain is like a shortcut. It's like a, it's like mm-hmm. a cheat or something. And instead he tells her, she tells him to meditate and it works, right? He sees the angel again after he meditates. Yes. So. Um, but um, I wish it was so easy. <laughs> <laughs> meditation was just, I, I can never meditate. I try really hard to you know, listen to like, I use those apps and stuff. And if mm-hmm. I can get, and every once in a while, you know, my, my brain is so noisy. Every once in a while, I uh, all of a sudden drift off for like 10 or 15 minutes and I come back and like, oh, wow, it worked. It happened. But it's like, it's so, yeah. it's very hard. You know, <laughs> I've downloaded an app and I never even opened it. So you're ahead <laughs> of me. I knew enough that I needed it, but I didn't know I didn't have the wherewithal to take those steps of opening the app. What do you think of the episode? I, what, what do you think? For, what are you looking forward to? Well, I definitely liked it better than last week because of the the tone shift, and I do like that they are exploring these darker ideas in an ongoing theme of what's going on with Kristen. What does Cheryl know? David's own internal conflict about what he should be doing with his life. So I think there's a lot to look forward to here here about how all of this is going to develop. I'm hoping Kristen's husband comes back from Chicago or wherever he is soon, because I did like him. And I'd like to see more of him, although I'd like to see less of the girls. So I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't get a lot of the girls this week, by the way. Yes, I think that might be part of the reason I like the episode so much, which is (laughs) terrible of me to say. But... (laughs) Now we know why she's always out of the house. She's like, oh, I'm so busy. (laughs) Who is babysitting the kids now, right? By the way, uh, because the mom's not doing it, that's for sure. I mean, I feel like they're the oldest two are old enough to be left alone. I don't know. We come from that era, right, where we were left alone at a very young age. So it's hard to really know. But the the youngest two, I'm not sure the oldest two are old enough to be responsible for the younger two. Maybe they're like babysitting ager, right? They're probably the age of a babysitter. So who knows? think so it's not entirely clear to me how old they all are but yes i mean clearly she was having childcare issues last year so yes yes absolutely. i don't know how those have been resolved at this point yeah i'm definitely looking forward to seeing what comes next and still ben is my favorite so i hope we see more with him yeah i'd like to see him get more of a, a meteor role i don't know if you saw that the next on uh but they're apparently she's on the prowl like speaking of her husband her husband's probably not back next week apparently she's yes. out and about see is that all going to happen next week or is it going to happen throughout the season it just i think that good. one's for next week i think the, okay. the last week it was definitely like in this season but i think that is explicitly next week so uh i did mention to you to watch the good fight which is also on paramount plus by the way so mm-hmm. or watching this show you can watch the good fight i find it very interesting i didn't love last season of the good fight which was truncated because of covid but it still is uh one of the better shows on tv but the first like two seasons of that show are truly, really excellent. And this particular week had a, a very funny frame for the show where they said previously on The Good Fight and they uh, basically uh, show you scenes. And I'm like, did I, did I not watch last season? Like, what, <laughs> what is this? And then, of course, uh, about 10 or 15 minutes into the continuous previously on, previously on, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. 
this is a joke. And then of course, one of the people on the show, one of the main characters gets COVID. And I'm like, oh, this was, de- <laughs> this is definitely yeah. not from last season. Mm-hmm. And of course mm-hmm. they turned the entire episode into like a previously on scenes, which became like a supercuts way of not only getting us caught up to, to date with, you know, post COVID basically we go through, I mean, there's, it's crazy when you see that, by the way, you forget how many things happened last year, like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying and stuff. And I'm like, oh my oh God, my I forgot. Gosh. I forgot half so of these much. things. It's so crazy yes. last year. It was so bananas. And, but I uh, thought that was a super clever mechanism that they oh, yeah. used to cover all of that territory very quickly. Yeah. And by the way, that I think I started telling you uh, off mic, but the, um, but on top of that was the fact that they also didn't get the finish last season. So I guess rather than trying to, originally people were saying they were going to drag that storyline mm-hmm. into this season, but I guess because of COVID and the election and everything, they wanted to just get that out of the way. So like Wrap it up. They, they have even like, the, <laughs> the, they have uh, one of the partners who, who left the practice to become a judge and he was about to be sent to jail. And then he gets exonerated by Trump as he's leaving office because any like loyalists get exonerated and he was a Trump supporter. Yes. So uh, anyway, I found it very funny that they're like, that was probably in the scripts and they're like, we're going to introduce it and resolve it in the previously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that pretty much that, right. We got a clean slate. Let's start telling new stories. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, oh, and the reason I wanted you to check it out is because not in this particular episode, because like I, you mentioned, they're just really trying to clean the slate and set up next season, which is in this particular scenario means like getting rid of a lot of the cast and just you know, like yeah. re- re-upping the stakes. Oftentimes when I watch the show, they will take in the same way that you see a law and order episode or something like that. But even at a deeper level, they'll take something that actually is real, something that actually did happen, a story in the headlines or something that happened in the courts, and then they fictionalize it. But I'm always thinking to myself like, oh, is that true? Is that possible? Uh, mm-hmm. The same way that I always ask my wife medical questions when I'm on mm-hmm. medical shows. But uh, anyway, I wanted to... Um, run some of these things back past you. So that's why I wanted you to catch up on that. I'm happy to help to the extent that I can. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And I know once again, the caveat, you're not a criminal lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of recommendations this week, but did you have any recommendations? Uh, sure. I'll be quick since you have a whole bunch. Oh, it's okay. One you can take as much time as you want. I watched recently that I really enjoyed a complete shift from evil was a show called Starstruck on HBO Max. And it's actually, oh, I've heard of this. it's so cute. It's just, you know, very light romantic comedy type of scenario. Uh, one thing that's great about it is that the two leads, you know, the main character is a young woman and she uh, very quickly, the premise is that she hooks up with this guy who turns out to be a famous actor, but she doesn't realize it until they've already hooked up and had this one night stand. And, uh, the show, I think it's just six episodes. Uh, we knocked the whole thing out in a single afternoon. Yeah. And they kind of take class. I think it's like New Year's Eve, spring, summer, fall, Christmas, or something to that effect. So you kind of rejoin their lives every few months and see what's going on with them as they're, uh, they just kind of keep having these funny ways that they run into each other and meet cute type situations. And of course, there is some drama as well. And one thing that I really liked about this is that uh, the male lead is a South Asian actor. So I always like to see that and don't see it that much. So it's exciting for me. And the fact that he, as a South Asian actor, is a legit movie star in the UK in this character. And nobody ever addresses race at all. So that was very refreshing. <laughs> so um, yeah, they just it's it's fun, it's clever, it's funny. 
uh, it's a, a fun way to just spend the afternoon if you're looking for something light. Yeah, and I've heard really good things about that show. It's gotten like really great praise. Yeah, it's very fun. I do have one thing that I wanted to recommend right away. And it kind of ties in some of the previous episodes is we have a, another Rosamund Pike connection that I wanted to make a recommendation. Oh, let's um, hear it. And I thought you might like this, by the way. Uh, there's only one episode of this so far. So um, it's a podcast. So this is a podcast. It's called Edith! Exclamation point. Mm-hmm. And it is a comedy podcast based on something that actually happened. And it's a historical fact that I had no idea about. I literally had to go and research to say, once again, is this real? And it turns out it's real. And what it is, it's about Edith Wilson, Woodrow Wilson's wife. Okay. And uh, Woodrow Wilson had a stroke when he was in office. Okay. And her, Edith Wilson, and his doctor kept it secret from everybody that he had had the stroke because he was impaired. And they basically, the two of them, the doctor and her together, ran the government. They basically, <laughs> you know, and they came up with all these ways to keep Wood, uh, Wilson behind closed doors as he was recovering. And uh, I mean, they, they created, you know, accidentally created international incidents <laughs> that they kind of spot. Yeah. So they made this not into a drama, but they've turned this into like a slapstick comedy. It's an audio comedy, mm-hmm. but uh, it's called Edith! Exclamation point. And uh, they are actually just today, I noticed they just have their second episode today. So if you guys want to catch up on that, I don't. I think it's only going to be five or six episodes, but that is available. And how does Rosamund Pike figure into this? Oh, she's the star. She plays Edith. Oh, okay. So she, <laughs> she's the main, she's the protagonist. And like everybody in all the voice talent is all famous. But, um, uh, but obviously she, I mean, but she's probably the biggest name in there. And she's, you know, pretty much it's her voice throughout narrating this whole entire story. Got it. But it is, uh, yeah, it's like a radio drama and it's very funny uh, so far. I've only heard one episode, but um, anyway, I wanted to raise that because I know we've brought up Rosamund Pike multiple times in this podcast. Might as well keep it going. It's kind of bizarre how little she comes up in my everyday life and how frequently she comes up in my podcast. Just here, just on the show. (laughs) Going to keep it going. Yeah. You know what I'll do? I'll do my moment here on Tom Hiddleston. One is I recommended already Only Lovers Left Alive. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's such a great sh- movie and you really should check it out. But unfortunately, it's not available to stream anywhere. Mm-hmm. This week, it will be available on Amazon Prime, just starting this week. Ah, so uh, anybody who hasn't seen know. that, definitely check that out. He's, he's excellent in it. Oh, and the second point I wanted to bring up was your recommendation. I watched Night Manager. What'd you think? I liked it. It was a little slow by my standards, you know, but it was, uh, you know, which, uh, by the way, just seems to be with John Le Carre adaptations. They, they're mm-hmm. always a little sleepy. For some mm-hmm. reason. Even for spy movies, they're always a little bit sleepy. But um, it was a little slow. And I felt like the, and but what's interesting about it was I binged the entire show. I thought I was going to watch like two or three episodes. I ended up watching the whole thing. And uh, even though like I felt it was a little slow and a little long, uh, I kept just watching it. It was like, you know, uh, Maybe right, was, all of the actors are really great, and they're all really good. You want to keep, you just want to see them interact. You want to see the way things are going to, yeah, go. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I found it um, uh, very uh, interesting. Uh, I, I, I've just seen Tenet recently, so I couldn't help but feel like I, I literally at moments got confused. <laughs> I was like uh, that, um, you know, the, the Hugh Laurie character and the Kenneth Branagh character in Tenet are so similar that I was just like, you know, right? oh, and, and now, and now she's going to go back and hang out with. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, you, Laurie. <laughs> so uh, I got a little confused there in my own mind and maybe watching these things too close together. But yes, the cast is all like, no, obviously all very attractive and, uh, and all a uh, very, um, 
uh, interesting. The characters were intriguing. The way that they gravitate to each other was was compelling. I didn't like. Oftentimes, I'll feel like it's so contrived. Like, you know, why would he trust them and all the other things? And I really like the fact that the show kind of like uh, makes it all believable. That they're like, well, yeah, they're going to uh, uh, just mm-hmm. keep you know trusting each other and and like there's almost this seduction going on between all these characters. So you believe that they're kind of intrigued by each other. And that's what kind of keeps the plot going. And yeah, it's very, I really, I really enjoyed it. I felt the ending was too pat, but other than that. Yeah. I mean, I mean in a way they had created such a mess, right? <laughs> it seems like there's no real way out of it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said, but I am happy to hear you enjoyed it. I did. I did. And I mean, it's beautiful to look at, obviously I like seeing them travel. Uh, and like the, the the locales and the you know the, just the just the the visuals in general were really really great. The um, Olivia Coleman character was great too. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's always yeah. Great. yeah, great. Everybody, they're great in cast. All right, cool. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Great. Talk to you right. soon.